And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Mike Gonzalez. He's a senior fellow at the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies, National Security, and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Mike, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, the honor is all mine. Thanks a lot for having me. Very flattered. We've been reading a little bit in the news about the elections in France. That may sound funny to listeners. You know, why would we want to consider the French elections uh, here in the United States? But uh, this world is an interesting world, and there are ripple effects and interactions and that sort of thing. So we thought we'd start off, at least today, talking a little bit about the French elections. And maybe you can tell us some of your background, Mike, and your interest in France, and, and then we can get into these elections. France is one of the linchpin countries of Europe. It's a very important country. It's, in fact, our oldest ally, uh, something that many Americans are aware of. Uh, they were allied uh, uh, with us uh, during the Revolutionary War. If you think of the world as a kind of a, a, you know, a, a school play, play yard, you need, you need allies and friends. And, and uh, France, Kissinger called them a prickly ally, and they can be prickly at times, but they're, they're steadfast, too, in, in many ways. Uh, America is the result of Western civilization uh, and, and, and the, 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 the thoughts of the Enlightenment, a lot of which began in France. Yeah. So France is uh, actually a very important country intellectually in terms of uh, two-way trade, and politically as well. Let's not forget that France is one of the five countries that has a permanent seat of the U.N. Security Council. So it has a, 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 a vote, a permanent vote of the U.N. Security Council. It can veto anything that we propose that they don't like. Okay. Uh, so for many, many reasons, uh, France is a very important country. It's interesting. So that makes it such that we really should be interested in what happens in, in France. Yeah, no, it's it's the sixth largest export economy in the world. Uh, you know, uh, a very large, uh, you know, uh, trade with us. And uh, as I said, you know, it's a, it's a NATO ally as well. It's got it's got a, a it's not a nuclear capability. It's got the nuclear bomb. It's one of the one of the I think it's, it's under ten right now countries in the world that have the nuclear bomb, and France is one of them. Yeah. So um, you, for a while, I believe, lived in France and and worked. Tell us what you did there. Well. Uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, as a as a young man, a very young man, at the age of twenty five, I lived in Paris and tried to be a a, uh, a fiction writer, and it didn't uh, work out that well in terms of my fiction. It was not that great, but uh, it was a very a, a year very well spent. I loved Paris. Uh, it was nineteen eighty five, and I had a a, a whale of a time. And your interest in France, I guess, started there. But then it, it extended. Uh, tell us more about your what you got into after you tried your hand at writing fiction. Well, I should say, actually, you know, just something, I just thought of something. I went to French school as a kid because I was born in Havana, Cuba, and the last private school, Castro closed all the private schools, and the last private school was a French school. So for the first two or three years of my life before uh, the dictator Castro closed the French school as well, I went to the French school. So... Um, and then I lived in Paris when I was 25. And then I worked for Agence France Presse, the French press agency. I mean, I was a journalist for many years. I was a foreign correspondent with Agence France Presse for six years, uh, between uh, 86 and 93. 
uh, between no between eighty seven and ninety three, but I was never based in Paris. I was based in Hong Kong. I was based in in Korea. I was based in in China, Panama, and many different places. That's interesting. So, um, what's going on now with the uh, French elections? Uh, who's running, and why is this important to us? Well, originally there were uh, eleven candidates. Uh, Ranging from a guy that I thought was the, the, the one that made the most sense, François Fillon, who is a conservative, uh, understood the, the threat of uh, terrorism, um, understood the, the threat of uh, the, 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 the power of tradition and national identity. The only, the, I mean, the only problem that I had with him was that he was, uh, he thought that we should, uh, that France should um, eliminate the sanctions that they have on, on, on Putin and Russia. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that, but I liked almost everything else Fillon uh, did. Uh, he was a Gaullist, one of the major forces, political forces in in, uh, in France, going back to General de Gaulle, uh, who who took over France in 1958 and, and established the Fifth Republic, which is the republic that you now have in France. Fillon, however, there was a scandal uh, that I think was uh, blown out by the media that he gave his wife a fictitious job. Uh, he said that was not a fictitious job, that she actually did do work in his office. But it was, uh, she got paid a, quite a lot of money, uh, government money. And uh, he went from being the leading contender and the shoe-in for the presidency to somebody who ended up with only 19%. Oh, my. There, then there was a guy named Mélenchon. I think it was his first name was Jean-Luc Mélenchon. And he was a hardcore Marxist. I mean, this guy made Bernie Sanders look like Adam Smith. Oh I was discussing with my children at the dinner table uh, last week uh, that he, the tax rate he wanted to have for incomes above 400,000 euros was 100%. <laughs> and he also got 19%. So whatever you think of this country, be, be glad we're not France. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I, you know, I'm sometimes amazed uh, why people are seemingly afraid of the freedom that attends a free market system. Have you ever pondered that? Yeah, you know, the the French are not, uh, there's not a a lot of free market politicians. I, for for a long time, uh, I had uh, uh, contact with the the, the most free market politician that France had uh, about 20 years ago, and that's uh, Alain Madelin, and I don't think he ever got over 5% of the vote. Whereas a guy who's proposing a 100% tax on incomes of about 400,000 euros gets almost 20% of the vote. Wow. Uh, so France is way to the left of us, especially economically. But the two who got through to the end, so France held the, uh, the, the, the first uh, round of a two, two-day election, uh, presidential election. The first one was uh, last Sunday, the first round, and then the runoff is going to be on May 7th, another Sunday. Uh, the two that got through to the end are... Um, uh, Emmanuel Macron, who's a 39-year-old novice, he's never he was e- economy minister uh, for the present socialist French government. But then he 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 broke off with the government. He broke off with the socialists and he established his own force, his own uh, movement called Amarche. Uh, let's go in English. Mm-hmm. And then the other one who got through, <clears throat> he got about 23 percent of the vote. And then the other one who got through with about 21 percent of the vote was Marine Le Pen who is the leader of the far-right uh, National Front, uh, which uh, wants to shut down all immigration. Um, it's very friendly with Putin, uh, wants, to, so wants to eliminate the, the sanctions on Putin and Russia. Uh, she, she says she's trying to de-demonize her party, uh, 
by, and then she ousted her own father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, who was the founder of the party, because he made a series of xenophobic uh, and anti-Semitic statements. And so to, to cleanse her party, she, she ousted him. Uh, but it's uh, not clear to everyone that uh, the party has been as cleansed as she, as she says. Okay. Yeah, so that's helpful. Um, yeah, I was aware that uh, the, um, the media described Le Pen as, as far right, but I wasn't sure what was really behind all that. Well, you know, to be honest, I mean, it depends what you mean by right, right? I mean, I'm a conservative. I'm a, I'm a hardcore conservative. I'm, I'm for small government. She's not. She's not for a small government. Gotcha. She does not is not going to want to get rid of uh, the uh, thirty five hour week, which makes no economic sense whatsoever. No, she does not want to. In fact, she, France has already a, a very uh, low retirement age, uh, so you can retire in France at the age of sixty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to lower that to sixty. Mm. In, in, in an age of, of uh, rising longevity in France. Uh, mm-hmm. And she has said she will not do anything about the bloated civil service. Uh, so she does not have a good economic record. Uh, but Macron, I should, be, I should tell you, Macron is not ideal either. Macron is a, is a bit of an empty, empty vessel. He, he is a we-are-the-world internationalist. He's a strong believer in the EU. He's pretty much an open borders guy. He says that uh, uh, the, the, the wave of refugees and, and terrorism are kind of the new normal, and France has to get used to it. He does not. Uh, he, he said that France does not have one culture, but many, many cultures. Uh, things that I don't think uh, that do, do not inspire me, do not think that they w- it will in the end be successful. So I... I think we're left with two rather bad prospects in, in Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron uh, for very different reasons. Uh, I don't think this is either one of them are going to solve uh, France's problems. I hope that whoever gets elected does. But uh, what they say about the French elections is in the first round, you pick someone you like, and the second round, you, you eliminate somebody you dislike. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Emmanuel Macron is is uh, uh, heavily heavily favored to win. Yeah. Uh, but you know polls have been wrong, as you well know. <laughs> oh my! I guess so. Yeah. Um, is there any similarities in terms of um, the voters' feelings on the ground with the voters' feelings here in America that were made evident on November the eighth? Any similarity in feelings? Well, I mean, I think the very fact that for the first time, uh, for only the second time since 1958, uh, the winner will not be a member of either the socialists or the gaullists um, is, is a sign that the, 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 the French people have had it with the elites. Uh-huh. Uh, since the goal in 58 to now, the only president that France has ever had that, is that, that was neither a socialist nor a gaullist was Valérie Giscard d'Estaing, who was president in the 1970s. Mm. Before that and after that, you were either a gaullist or a socialist. So the fact that these two parties got decimated, the socialist candidate got 6% of the vote. Mm-hmm. So, so he got nowhere. Wow. Uh, because the, the hardcore Maoist communist uh, got 19% and sucked all the leftist vote uh, away from him. But a lot of the blue-collar vote in the North that normally votes socialist went to Marine Le Pen. So there's another similarity there with, with former Obama voters voting for Trump. Yeah. So what you have in the National Front is basically two parties. You have 
an industrial uh, base in the north uh, that used to vote socialist that is pretty secular, uh, just uh, kind of big government types, but uh, they, they think they have they, they, that the political class has let them down. They voted for Marine Le Pen. You know, the National Front is very strong among those. And then you have in the south of France uh, a more Catholic, uh, more free market, more traditional-minded voters, rural voters, who also vote for the National Front. So what Marine Le Pen has to do is, how to, is reconcile these two these two kind of, these two national fronts that you have in France. That's interesting. From the point of view of the United States, um, is there any preference in terms of um, one leader over the other in our relations with France? You know, whoever wins, and, and, and it really looks likely to be Macron, but we don't know, whoever wins um, can work with the Trump administration. Sure. Uh, France does a lot of good in Africa, and they, they can they can they can say uh, they can make a good argument that they fight terrorism in in, in the next battlefront uh, for Al Qaeda and ISIS every day because they're they're in the front fighting in Africa all the time. I mean, people uh, always complain about the U.S. Uh, using its forces overseas. Uh, France uses its forces in Africa, especially in its former colonies, all the time. They just don't stick around. Mm-hmm. They parachute soldiers in clear up the trouble and, and get back in their in, in, in their planes and helicopters and leave. I had no idea that's how it worked. Oh yeah. And yeah. so so France is uh is very involved in Africa. Yeah. Um and, and, and I think that they can form a, a very good partnership with the Trump administration. Yeah. You know, I was looking online um in terms of the list of terrorist incidents in France and the big one was last year, July the fourteenth, with that vehicle ramming. Oh right, that was that was in Nice, right? Nice. It was in Nice, yeah. Yes, eighty-six people killed, four hundred and thirty-four yeah. injured. It was it was a terrible attack, and um, the driver, I, I guess he was Muslim. He had a name Mohammed, but you know, since then there there have been some terrorist attacks. They're smaller. A lot of them were stabbings. I'm looking here. Uh, July 19th, 26th, August 19th, August 30th, <laughs> September the 2nd, September the 4th, and so it goes, you know. And then right. uh, this year, uh, there's been stabbing, a letter bomb, there was a shooting, another shooting, attempted stabbing. So the terrorist attacks continue, certainly not as big as the one that, that occurred in Nice. And yet, as you point out, they're fighting terrorism in Africa. Yeah, no, I mean, the uh, the terrorist attack that took place on the Champs-Élysées, I think it was the Thursday before the election, so it was last Thursday, a week ago today, I think it was. That was just awful. Uh, the guy had been in French, in police custody in February. Police had him. <laughs> and they knew he, they, they, they suspected him of, of intentions to kill uh, kill police. And a, a judge let him go because they said that they had no, not enough evidence to hold Oh, dear. Oh, so the, dear. the Europeans really have got to get better at this. Yeah. And there's a common thread. I mean, I'm not sure it's in all of these, but the common thread very often is radical Islam. Yeah, that's who's committing the, the, the attacks now in, uh, in, in Europe, and especially in France. So when I see that, I find it hard to comprehend that, that people want open borders without being careful as to who you're allowing into your country. 
yeah, and and uh, I mean, I, I always say, you know, they're good Americans or good people on both sides, and I think that that they obviously have good intentions and they feel that um, that refugees are a very vulnerable population, but obviously the vetting has to be. Yeah, that's the answer. We have to make sure that the vetting it, it is. I mean, that that is so important because all it takes is one. Uh, that's right. Yeah. What are the feelings among the French people about the EU? Uh, we saw this Brexit vote, you know, a while ago. Um, what, what's France's opinion of all that? Well, France is is one of the. We don't know. I mean, we, it's one of the more Eurosceptic countries. Uh, the Marine Le Pen, her voters. I mean, one can suppose are Eurosceptics because she's very Eurosceptic. She's she's called for a referendum on the euro. Hmm. And then Mélenchon, the uh, the guy who got 19%, was very Eurosceptic, uh, but from the left, he uh, he wanted to pull. He wanted he he, he said that unless the EU would be uh, would be completely re- reorganized along socialist uh, lines, which was not going to happen, he was going to pull France out of the EU. Uh, so you you have you know uh, somebody who who won 21% and somebody who won 19%, um, 40% already. Uh, 40% of the, of the voters in the first round voted for Eurosceptic candidates. Um, the one who's very uh, Europhile is Macron, who got mm. 23%. Mm-hmm. And I guess Fillon would be in the middle. So it's actually not clear to me, especially when you scrutinize this election, what would happen if if there were a referendum. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. All right. Here's an interesting question that popped into my mind, a uh, little bit off the subject, and that is, um, did any of the American politicians attempt to influence the French elections? Well, um, President Trump predicted that the terrorist attack uh, three days before the election would benefit uh, Marine Le Pen, mm-hmm. but he said that was not an endorsement. Yes, and and uh, it did not come out as an endorsement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he was say he said he was putting on his hat as predictor, just observing. And people yeah. say, "Well, you're the president; you should not be predicting out." out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Barack Obama called Macron the week before the election and had a, a, a telephone conversation with him. So hmm. you can deduce from these two facts whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. The facts speak for themselves. So. France, um, you've mentioned uh, early on they are nuclear. They've had the nuclear bomb for a long time. It's argued, and I believe they're right, that um, when you have the nuclear bomb, it's it really protects your country from, from attacks. Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy that we have it. I'm sure. not very happy that North Korea has it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, what's your perspective on North Korea? That's an interesting subject. Have you been following that? Well, you know, I lived in Korea in the 80s. Uh, I, I don't uh, want to, I don't study it now. And we have a very good man here, uh, Bruce Klingner, who, yeah. who studies Korea and researches Korea. So I don't want to, you know, I'm not, so I don't, I do no research on Korea, but <laughs> I don't think you do, and you need to do any research to say that the idea of the North Korean communist regime, uh, led by Kim Jong un, having nuclear capabilities is something that makes the world sleep well at night. Yeah, I just look at it simply. I think, uh, okay, if you have a country and a leader of a country that stands up and says, let's say like Iran, where at some point they said, we want to wipe Israel from the face of the map. Right. Or this this guy in North Korea, you know, I want to I bomb America. 
that's not that's not appropriate for <laughs> for right. a foreign leader to say. That's that's out of line. No, exactly. No, that's another country that you don't want uh, the government to have a nuclear nuclear capability around. No, no. And um, yeah, we we had talked with Klingner uh, some time ago, and then uh, recently talked with James Carafano. But Mike, I know that you are very short on time today, and I just uh, really appreciate you squeezing us in into your very hectic and busy schedule. Today we've been talking with Mike Gonzalez, a senior fellow at the Catherine and Shelby Column Davis Institute for International Studies, National Security, and Foreign Policy, Heritage Foundation, and he's an experienced correspondent, commentator, editor. He's reported from Asia, Europe, Latin America, and um, he also served at the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, then at the State Department. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for spending your time with our listeners today. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And a quick reminder that a podcast of this broadcast is available up on our website. Please check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. If you have a question that you would like us to address over the air on this program, we will try our best to line up a guest who is able to do that. Our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. For A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf. God willing, see you next week. 